Nanyang, hello. <laughs> cool. Which is just hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> As we've learned. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Notes from My Improv Notebook. This is Chell Hernandez. Notes from My Improv Notebook is, of course, your internet's resource for improv knowledge. Guys, I just want to let you know that I am teaching a workshop in San Diego. It is at the San Diego Improv Festival. I will be there February 9th. And if you'd like to come see me perform, I'm actually performing there too, the same day. So please stop on by. Love to see you. This week's episode features one of my favorite teachers at iOS. She was there for my last level at iOS, and she helped us come up with a new form. It's a ton of fun class. Without further ado, here is Colleen Doyle. All right, welcome back to Notes from my Improv Notebook. I'm so excited here to bring in one of my favorite teachers that I actually got to study with for a little bit at iOS when it was open. Uh, she's wonderful. She's great. And you're going <laughs> to love her. Please give it up for Colleen Doyle. Yay. Yay. Th- thank you. That's really nice. Hey, Appreciate nope, it. Nope. Not a problem. <laughs> I'm so happy to bring you on to this podcast because I do feel like you have so much knowledge and it's a travesty that not more people <laughs> have access to that knowledge. Yeah. Travesty and my name go together a lot, but um, <laughs> uh, that's really nice. I've been doing it for a long time, you know, yeah. and I think that by teaching longer, just like anything else, including improv itself, you just get better over time. You have a better understanding. So I know I was like probably a pretty lousy teacher when I started out, but being forced to continually do it really did kind of change hopefully who I am as a teacher. I did feel like when I started out teaching, it Mm -hmm. was like guessing on how people would get (laughs) to where they wanted to be. (laughs) And I do feel bad about that, but I did learn a lot like on the, after the first day of like, okay, I know what does work and what doesn't work kind of thing. And I think what people, uh, like when you teach, right, and I think this is true maybe of teaching everything, is that there's a lot of things going on that aren't the content of the class. So, you know, you're gauging people's, um, uh, where they're at, what they're able to hear right now. Some people you can be a little bit harder on, and some people the best way for them to progress is for you to be really cognizant of their sensitivity or they're maybe more emotional. So I think there's a lot of gauging that too, that when you start teaching, you 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 learn how to better work through a class in those ways too, not just content related. That's such an awesome observation to understand that not every student is the same, especially coming into like level one. Yeah. Because you don't know what their training is before that. You don't know their emotional involvement until up until that point. And something that you said, which is what they can hear is so important because you can't push a certain student or else they'll totally, it'll backfire on you kind of thing. You want you know, just to like a little behind the curtain, I think for, for other people, you want level one or, you know, 101 or whatever it is. You really want people to enjoy it. You want them to see it as a positive, joyful, fun experience. So part of level one is an introduction and learning skills, sure. Um, but also you always want people to leave feeling like they're glad that they were in an improv class today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I think that, you know, as you progress and other skills are introduced, there's different goals to that. Um, improv should always be fun, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, but especially those beginning levels, you want people to feel accomplished and you want them to feel excited about coming back next week. 
So I think that that's something that is was always on my mind, teaching the earlier levels. Le- a bit, little bit less so, right? You can leave feeling challenged and, gosh, I'd really like to do better next week, maybe in a further down the line. Yeah. I yeah. think something that's interesting is that you've taught students in Chicago and you've st- taught students out here in Los Angeles. And to me, and this is my observation, those are two completely different students <laughs> because the goals seem different. Mm-hmm. I think in Chicago, the community engulfs the students. So like improv is everywhere. It's like everyone's just like, this is what I want to do. And I think out here in Los Angeles, it's like I'm an actor. This is a skill that was asked for me to be or acquire the skill and then move on from there. And then you have a mix of people that have moved from different cities that love improv. So it's just like it's a smorgasbord out here. Yeah. Do you find that teaching in Chicago was a little bit easier because everyone just kind of was one track, one mind compared to out here? I think that there was a really clear difference between students in LA and Chicago, but over time, I th- my assumption would be that that line is getting blurred because I guess the backstory would be, I think that in Chicago for a long time, there was... A path that people kind of wanted to walk, which was, I want to get up on stage. I want to become a really good improviser. I want to put up great shows and maybe someday Second City will hire me. Mm. And that was kind of top of the mountain to some degree. Like, of course, a lot of people still thought about SNL, but um, I think that was kind of the trajectory. But I think there was also this really real thing that was, I just want to get up on stage and kill. <laughs> I want to, I want to be a part of a great ensemble. I want to put up great shows. So I think during that period in Chicago, it was easy to teach because I think that people saw it as, well, this person who's my teacher does improv. By virtue of doing it longer, they might be better at it or more successful than I am at it right now. And so I'm going to believe that they're pushing me in the right direction and ask me to do things that'll make me a better improviser. And I guess part of like the difference of being in LA occasionally was um, I want to be on television. This ding dong has never been on television. <laughs> right? So like I might be able to to help you in some ways get to where you'd like to be as an improviser, but that wasn't always people's goal. Mm. It was like, well, I need this class on my resume or I'm here to kind of network or, you know, something along those lines. So I wasn't the expert at that. So I think it changed the dynamic, but I think iOS was a really special place in that I think we had more, and I say this in a really loving way, nerds than maybe some other places. More people who were like, man, I just really want to get up on stage and have fun with my friends and become a better improviser over time, which I know some other training centers just, you know, don't have the number of nerds (laughs) that we had. So I thought it was, you know, over time I kind of learned that there were a lot a lot of the same type of students I had in Chicago in LA at iOS to just we also had a lot more people who were you know and this is not a criticism wanted to have a career in entertainment that mm-hmm. may or may not have included improv so yeah how cool yeah and uh, now you started in Chicago right did you I improvise? technically started in Cleveland I worked for Second City in Cleveland right after I graduated from college that's where I'm from oh cool I didn't know okay so Second yeah. City was in Cleveland like a theater or was it like yeah a- for a short amount of time so I graduated from college they had a training center that opened the summer after I graduated 
Eventually, they opened a theater. I was part of the cast of two reviews at Second City Cleveland. They closed. <laughs> it was very short-lived. Um, and that's when I moved to Chicago. So I actually started in Cleveland, yeah. Were you part of the first reviews at um, Cleveland Theater? I was. Wow, how cool. Yeah. So because of that, you were able to then pivot to Chicago and like meet people? Was it like connections? or? Um, it, to some extent, I would say after Second City Cleveland, after my time there ended, uh, my my friend Dana and I, my sister friend, we're very close. Um, we moved to Chicago and started uh, classes right away at IO. Mm-hmm. So I think that we weren't, it wasn't like they rolled out the red carpet for us in Chicago <laughs> at Second City. I think we just started over. Yeah. But with that, with that background of we had done improv and we had, you know, whatever experiences we'd had um, at Second City that certainly helped us to get up on our feet. Do you feel like your experience in uh, Cleveland helped you with the experience then in Chicago? Do you feel like the training was similar or was it just different? Mm, I'd say like in at Second City Cleveland, when I first started taking classes, that was my introduction to improv. And so I think Second City is really good about taking like true beginners mm-hmm. um, and introducing them to the concepts of that. Um, yeah, I'd say like coming into IO, IO Chicago, not cold was great, but IO, my experience taking classes and teaching was IO can feel very accelerated. Mm. You know, a level one, we ask a lot or we, or when I worked for IO, we asked a lot of level one students, you know, by the end you're kind of talking about Harold and walking through Harold and second city was a, a bit different in that I think their intro levels were really trying to underscore like the main these larger um, conceits about improvisation yes so I definitely had a leg up when I moved to Chicago um, because I started in level one and Sharna was my teacher (laughs) so I wasn't like just uh, coming in off the street like someone gave me a class as a gift I had I had done it so for sure I felt like it set me up a bit better but two slightly different ways of thinking about improv for sure I agree with the accelerated um, learning at I.O. IO Chicago. Yeah. I took their summer intensive. Oh yeah. And it felt like, you know, right from level one, it was like, well, we're hitting the ground running. Yeah. And I know that out here at iOS, it was like, okay, we're just going to go through the concepts of improv level one. Yeah. And here we go kind of thing. Yeah. I do think that Second City does a great job of introducing it to the absolute beginner. Mm-hmm. They start with like games. And then I, my personal belief is that you can teach long form concepts through games. Like you teach the game and then you go, these are the concepts that you've learned and you can take over to long form. Yeah. So that is so cool. Did you feel like when you went to IO Chicago and you were going through the system, did you move up really fast? Because you were just like you were on the path kind of thing did you um I I didn't (laughs) I mean I took all the classes and I think at that point um the system had truly been you know we really only want to place people on teams that have completed the program Mm -hmm. so I mean I will say you know when I was done with classes I got put on this team I'm so like it was I was so felt very lucky and humbled because you know, there were so many people taking classes. So to be put on a class, uh, to be put on a team rather out of classes was so great. But, you know, I was surrounded by incredibly talented people, like from the word go, I think in my same classes were uh, a lot of the guys from Cook County Social Club and um, numerous other extremely talented 
people. So I never felt, I never felt like, wow, I'm really killing this class. I just felt like <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> I'm, I like to think that I'm keeping, keeping up with other people. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I never really, you know, I never kind of got the pat on the back or the like gold star, but, um, I just tried to keep up. That is true. Uh, I O Chicago has a great community because you're constantly surrounded by people who are exceptional at the yeah. art form. Yeah. And I think that you learn faster at that pace. And what cool to be surrounded by people that are at that level for you to kind of grow up and get in that class. Did yeah. you ever feel like plateaus while you were going through class or was it after class that you felt like oh, I'm hitting a wall kind of thing? Definitely in class. I can remember. So my best friend and roommate and we had both worked uh, for Second City, I remember driving home after a level three class <laughs> and I was in tears and I just thought, oh, I don't actually know how to do this. I'm a fraud. <laughs> that, that's the plateau. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're plateauing when you're like, I saw, I, I'm horrible. Why? <laughs> yeah. So I definitely in classes, I had that feeling. I had that feeling when I was put on that first team mm -hmm. out the gate. Um, and all the time after, you know, there's periods where I feel like I've plateaued or I'll, I'll never get better or I don't have some fundamental understandings of that other people have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've definitely experienced those times. Um, and I will say that I feel like over the years, students and, you know, uh, other people that I meet at the theaters have asked me, what do you do when that happens? And the best advice the only thing that I know is you just keep doing it. And I think there's a natural kind of, um, what do you call it? Uh, there's a falling off of people in any creative endeavor mm -hmm. when um, it seems like, well, that seems too hard and I'm not having fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to stop doing it. And I think for people who really kind of live for whatever their, their art is, <laughs> um, you just keep, you push through it. Mm -hmm. even though it's difficult and you don't like yourself <laughs> you kind of have to put one foot in front of the other I know that when I become when I feel like I'm plateauing I become overly critical of myself yeah and I think that a lot of plateauing is is like a sense of loss of confidence in your abilities I know that you know when you when you feel like you're learning you feel so confident in your abilities and you're like well I could do anything and I feel as though the loss of confidence in ourselves, rather than being like, you know what, I've been doing this for X amount of time. I got this. I can move forward. We just go back into that. Why am I doing this? Why do I, why do I hate myself? Like those problems. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with that. How do you feel like you gain back your confidence in those situations? Is it like you have a great show that you feel like you overcome those those plateaus? Is that how you feel like you overcome those? Or do you feel like you're in a class and then someone gives you that little bit of knowledge you felt that you needed and then you're restored to continually be creative? I mean, I think a great way to feel better is always you had a great scene in class you were able to receive a note from someone and put it into practice. You know, it be that in a class or be that your um, coach gives you a note and you're able to to do that in a rehearsal or a show. You know, or you know, I, I'm I'm the same as every other comedian. You know, you put up a show and people laugh and you get to walk off stage and you feel like you're invincible. Mm -hmm. Like, never mind, I'm perfect in every way, right? <laughs> So I think that's it. But I, I, I know that there's also, it's less, probably less satisfying 
um, than a full house bringing the house down, you know, on a Friday night doing a show. But I think it's there is some value in I, I can remember I can get in the time machine and go back a million years to being able to take a note to understand the note and to put it into practice. Mm. So and it kind of going back to being a teacher, you want you, you when you see someone struggle, when you see someone feeling like they've plateaued or, you know, they're having a hard time, you also want to put them in a place to succeed. Because mm-hmm. I think so much of what we do is from a place of confidence. When you get on stage, when it feels you feel confident and you feel relaxed, that's when you're able to do great shows. You want to make sure that you get them to a place in a class or in a rehearsal where everyone feels like I had some measure of success. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. So mm-hmm. as a teacher, you really do set up your students for success in certain exercises compared to depending on what student it is. I, le- I like to think that I'm capable of doing that so you know a lot of times when you're teaching there's a set curriculum but when you've taught long enough and you're doing the same types of exercises you have your own tips and tricks and cheats for finding ways or the things that we say when when students struggle Mm -hmm. in those exercises so I get kind of going back to how intensive I think and I know that like some people dig ditches for a living so this sounds insane but the intensive nature of teaching, part of that is really being able to pay very close attention to students. What do they need? What can I say that will help them that won't diminish them or put them more in their head Mm. um, to make some part of today feel successful for them? Okay, that's cool. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. When, When you had a teaching experience like that, was it in Chicago, right? You had a teacher that put you up in those situations. <laughs> and so I'm guessing that you really take from that teacher what you give to your students, uh, that person who put you up to succeed in those moments. Is there a class specifically that kind of put you in that position or a teacher? Was it like a teacher was like, Colleen, do this, and then you kept succeeding. You were like, whoa, what, what's going on kind of thing? <laughs> Whenever I think of my experiences in classes in Chicago, I think of Susan Messing. Susan is just a, a unicorn of a human being. And I think because of her really unique way that she teaches and what she teaches, she it just felt like everyone in her very large class, you know, her classes would sell out, there'd be 18 people. And I just always felt really seen by her. And I think that because when I first started teaching in Chicago, I shadowed her class. So I'd sit in and watch her teach. Yeah, I, I guess I think of her and I think of that level two class that I that I took with her because of the bananas nature <laughs> of a level two <laughs> IO class, like uh, Susan's curriculum and physicality and really allowing your freak flag to fly and following the fun. And it just felt week to week. Maybe I wasn't putting up the best scenes or the best characters, but I was having so much fun. Yeah. And she really does a great job of seeking out something that you've done that's positive you know because especially when you're new to it you could go through a whole class and be like boy that was a nightmare that was a car wreck (laughs) right and that's not to say that teachers don't say that we all laugh and we don't have to take ourselves seriously but to find something that she genuinely adored she's a great laugher in class you know there's a lot of value to just getting a getting a nice laugh (laughs) from a teacher (laughs) so just she's so supportive she's so like kumbaya which in a, in a in the greatest way so 
She yeah. had a profound impact on me. I think that's awesome when a teacher can see you. I know that my wife has had experience with a teacher that she just totally disliked completely. Mm-hmm. And it was because the teacher really didn't kind of focus in on her. Yeah. And she felt forgotten. Yeah. And how important it is to really just, if you are teaching, to just be like, what is it that every student's bringing? Because every student brings something different, right? Mm-hmm. And what can I encourage them to continue to do so that they keep bringing that thing that they find fun to yeah. this group? And I'd say over all the years I've taught, you know, improv draws so many different types of people. But one type of person that it definitely draws is someone who feels like they don't fit in elsewhere. Mm. And this is going to sound so <laughs> Pollyanna, but... Some of my favorite students are the people who really, they're, they're struggling a bit socially. They, they came to improv because they're like, is this where the weirdos go? <laughs> so I just find it very satisfying to give those people an opportunity to feel accomplished, to feel like, yeah, you found the right place. This is exactly where you're supposed to be. So I think that's just, a, you know, some people come in, they're super confident. They're like, I already did this for 12 years in Baltimore, right? Like, they're <laughs> like, you know, they don't need me to <laughs> build them up. It's always those people I, tr- I try to, I gravitate a bit more towards them and trying to find ways to make them feel like you made the right choice. This is a good place for you. And, and how fun it is when you have a different perspective. You know, a lot of people come in super confident. They share, a, there's a shared perspective there in some way by virtue of like, uh, race, religion, creed, age, whatever. So it's really nice to to call out my my lovely weirdos and make them feel empowered as well because we really need them in improv. Yes, yes, we do. How cool. Do you, I, I feel like um, it's hard to turn off the teacher thing, not to turn it off, but to kind of, I feel as a teacher having taught for a little bit, when I go into groups, what I do is I start noticing uh, people that kind of hang back in my group and I'll start playing with them more and trying to encourage them while we're like in the same group. Do you find that situation too? Like it's hard for you to turn off that teacher part of you or that encouraging part of you, that part that <laughs> loves to encourage people. Yeah. 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 It's just, I think it's hard to see people do that to themselves. And maybe a little bit of that is that's how I started out in improv. I just really was extremely hesitant. I hugged the back line. I didn't have the confidence uh, that I have now about being on stage. I remember that feeling. And the more you allow yourself to hang back and not do something, the more, you know, you show up to class and you're always the last person who gets up, the more that becomes the comfortable place to be. And then Mm. you don't do it. So the sooner you enable someone or help someone to gain that little bit of confidence, whether that's teaching or coaching or part of an ensemble that you've been put on, the sooner they get over that and we move through that stage of, of being up there. So yeah, I mean, I try not to wear my teacher hat very often with my peers. God, what a nightmare I am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, but definitely, yeah, it's something that I notice, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's just hard to turn off because I think as a teacher, uh, you basically learn the skill of encouraging or playing with your teammates in a way that really vaults them forward. Mm -hmm. And then going back into it as a peer, you just want to vault all your team teammates forward, especially if people that you really like, you're just like, I want to do the thing that you like to do that you're confident in doing and put you in that position. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks so much again for listening to Notes from My Improv Notebook. I am so happy to have you as a listener. If you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe. Every rate and review helps us get this podcast out to other improvisers who are just like you. Good news, I just recently submitted this podcast to Spotify, so I am on Spotify. If you don't like the iTunes network, you can always go to Spotify and find my podcast there. I am teaching a workshop in San Diego as part of the San Diego Improv Festival. It is on February 9th. The link to the workshop will be in the description. If you'd like to know more about Colleen Doyle, you can always go to thecolleendoyle.com. If you'd like to connect with Colleen Doyle, you can always reach out to her on her Twitter at Hello, which I will also link in the description. If you'd like to see her perform, which is a treat, you can always see her perform with her two-person troupe, Dummy. Please get in contact with her, and she will give you the dates for those. As again, thank you so much for listening, and have a great week. <laughs> Just go to anyanghello.com. I totally understand how Twitter works. I'm a millennial. It's not a big deal. <laughs>